Welcome to Reframe by Mustard, our content podcast and content series, where we, an African-focused venture agency, explore topics with the intent of reframing the current thinking about ventures, initiatives, and brands. Today's podcast is the first of our revisits, where we'll dive into a previous episode to look at topics over again uh, for insight and otherwise. This one was inspired by the recent interview with Flow London, which you can read uh, if you visit the news section of our website or our socials. Our handle is at onlybymustard. In the interview, we spoke in detail about our mission, our methods, and actually where they stem from. So, in this episode, we were visiting what prompted us to learn, harness our thinking, and pretty much set our whole mission and purpose on narratives, some of which I discussed in the Flow London interview. I hope you find this revisit insightful. And if so, please subscribe to our podcast, give us a rating, and share it with others who might feel the same way. But now, on to the episode. The first insight we're looking at is if you build it, they will come. Basically, why we started and how we started. We started out as a group of engineers who, after graduating, really believe that if you build it they will come as engineers that was our mindset that's how we actually approached our product development at that point we took our time to really engage with the product at times go above and beyond what was needed to be built but that was because we thought the product was all that mattered here's us waxing lyrical on this topic and kind of what we found you know as engineers our, our thoughts were if you build it they will come right you sit in you sit in your lab um build the the widget build the product and then eventually um as soon as you finish your perfective maintenance people are gonna suddenly you know it's gonna do its own press it's gonna do its own branding it's gonna do its own uh, uh, marketing and all of a sudden you know people are gonna hear about it and gonna purchase it and you know the, the honest truth is <clears throat> at the beginning we were building stuff for for founders getting some equity and you know to be honest, really wasn't, I mean, unsurprisingly, you know, you can get equity in companies and not get a lot of cash. And, you know, it's not every company that turns into, into like a, a unicorn. Right. But it, but it really wasn't moving, uh, very far, um, or, and kind of wasn't really moving very fast either. And, and then there were two particular things that happened. One was, one was, uh, made in Africa foundation, the work we did there. Um, and the second thing I think, although it happened a lot later, we saw it a lot later was, was, was Quip and Quip on one side was very, very well designed. So when the founders came to us <clears throat> and spoke about building this, this, this kind of Apple toothbrush, we actually had, a you know, some of the other guys who were there at the time, you know, guys I graduated with were like, we don't want to make an, we don't want to make this. This is, this is nonsense, right? Um, it's just a pretty toothbrush um etc and then the on the other side you had made africa foundation where we didn't even do like any 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 product development work right yeah. um we we essentially were brought in for for our thinking um uh, because there was a there was a story they wanted to sell um in order to bring your acons your john legends etc to the continent right as well as quite a few uh, um um journalists etc so you know we thought nothing of those two gigs but those two gigs ended up really changing and and being like landmark 
or milestone gigs for us. Um, even though there was no, well, I mean, there was en- definitely engineering in Quip, but there really was no engineering in 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 um, Maynard Foundation and in Quip. It it was probably not as, or definitely not as much as we had done in other things. Um, yeah, but also because I I think those I I I joined much later on, and those yeah. two those two projects have always been for me emblematic of the 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 mission of mm-hmm. um the business in some ways in one way because very basically quip is a technological product right mm. and and it's it is an engineering feat um what is that i mean it's a it's a, basically it's a, it's a fancy electric toothbrush right <laughs> yeah yeah um, in a metal think, case think, which was pretty which is yeah, pretty tough to engineer the, stuff the there. description is now electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers you mm-hmm. with features you need and none of the gimmicks you don't starting at 25 dollars, and that's an american-based business right which is now Correct. raised lots Oof, and lots i think of, they've raised six fifty or 60 million to date i think at least that's the last time I checked. So probably yeah. about 50, 60 million, yeah. So 50, 60 million dollars going into a kind of modern waterproof electric toothbrush that mm-hmm. um, presumably also does laundry. And, uh, <laughs> generic widget, yeah. Generic widget. From school, et cetera. Okay, but that, but that was great, right? Because like, that's an interesting one because it's like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. American-based hardware product when hardly anyone was doing investing in hardware anymore um, but then really took a lot of technology technological chops and so then you guys created the guts basically for that is that right or you designed the, yeah yeah like- yeah no 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 no. so so the founder the founder yeah. um simon ennever is you know him and bill may really good designers working for a, a quite a large new york firm at that time and essentially it's it's, it's like a lot of stuff we got it uh, that we saw at university. At university, you'd get the local art, co- the art local art college would say, "Hey, we need some engineers to to build the internals, you know, make our design fly, um, so to speak." And and that's pretty much what we did there. So we were working to that very much to their constraints um, in that one. The second insight came about from us working with Quip and Made in Africa Foundation. We were working with designers who understood brand identity. These were the founders of Quip and a foundation that specialized in storytelling. Oswald Boateng and Chris Cleverly of Made in Africa Foundation. The outcomes of it were things that changed our mindset, we would say for the better, and actually changed the direction of Mustard. We started that journey, obviously we jumped on and started that journey. We, we were building that in 2014, um, early 2014. I think actually late 2013 up until up until, because it took about nine months, up until, you know, whatever, nine months later. So call it like summer, summer 2014, if I remember. Um, don't quote me. But we only, you know, that that went to Indiegogo. It didn't really um, get get its allocation in Indiegogo. Um, and then the, the founders kind of moved on to um, VC. Um, and I think they got the same VCs that kind of invested in Dollar Shave Club. If you, you know Dollar Shave Club? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, great, you know, really kind of... A great adverts, exactly. Yeah, you shave for a dollar, friends. So, so they got this. I think some VC funding there, and we didn't really hear about them until all of a sudden in 2016. So this is a you know a full two years later. They you know it was down that there was one of the 25 best inventions, according you know obviously by in in Time Magazine's opinion, um, uh, next to quite a few other things. So so it's not like we just 
you know, for us as engineers, it was like, okay, we've, we've fine. We've, we've, you know, helped out to build this thing. Um, it's almost like thrown it into the ether because you don't know if people are going to raise and those guys were in the U S and you don't hear anything. Then all of a sudden it's like, boom. So the 2016, that was, if, if there was any kind of validation that that's probably where you get a little bit of validation, but, but, and obviously look, let, let's be very clear. These guys have, you know, since then, um, you know, between whenever 20, late 2014, 2016, obviously they, you know, they got some, raised some funds, got a, got a, um, a proper hardware team in house, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, moved it on. So, so we can't say that, you know, we built every single thing from, from there to there. We, we definitely built the, the prototype and, and the initial stuff and helped them, helped yeah. them with the initial pitches. But um, yeah. since then, they've, they've um, I'm looking at a just an article in TechCrunch, and as of 2018, mm. they had they had um, reached a big milestone, which was with their one millionth brusher okay. or one millionth <laughs> customer. Subscri yeah, exactly. Which is I want which subscriber is, as well because they've got a subscription base, right? All right. So what's that? An average of 32 million teeth, I suppose. Um, but in <laughs> <laughs> uh, the average adult male. But then they'd also raised, so they raised $10 million from Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, and yep. then they raised a further $40 million um, in 2018 and an equity deal. That was about by, like, two tranches, right? I think two tranches. I think so, yeah. So, like I mean, that. so they've, it's real it's real money and, and it's probably yeah. one of the, lead, the leading electronic toothbrush manufacturers now in, in the world. And you guys- Well, are, I think- you were I think, there at, I think the, at the prototype phase, right? Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I think yeah. So we we're definitely there at a prototype phase, and we and you know we. Were, I still remember rushing stuff, getting stuff out to FedEx because uh, because Simon had like a had a meeting in in New York with some guys. Uh, you know, um, I still remember that. But um, I think in terms of the leading toothbrush um, or one of the leading toothbrush makers in the world, I don't know. Obviously, I haven't been following them too much, but I would say that they're very. They're definitely one of the most exciting, um, and you know, if you want to use those words, the millennial-oriented and kind of jazzy. Because in the, essentially, when they first came, you know, their issue was, which is a fair point, all electronic toothbrush pretty much looked the same. And you, you probably much know what they look like. You know, really big handle. Um, mm -hmm. You can exchangeable heads, um, and you can't remove the you can't remove the the battery as soon as it's finished. It's done, and 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 you kind of get rid of it, right? Um, yeah. So they're definitely very. They're definitely different. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so then you've built this. You've 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 helped to build this prototype of this really new age um, electronic toothbrush, which has raised money from celebrities like Demi Lovato and some high, hardcore celebrity people. But then you yeah. moved on. They had moved on at that point. So you guys moved on too, right? You did your own. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So, and and and, then you, and, and yeah. I think. And I think if you so 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 just as you were saying before that, like you've got one half where it's like a it's a product that was jazzy, and then afterwards you've got another another side which is made with Made in Africa Foundation, which is a non-product, essentially a narrative that had more jazz. And essentially on both sides you had you had one company kind of founders who could design, and you had you know another kind of group of people behind Made in Africa Foundation who could tell a story um and those were the two things that actually had legs but again the design the build around there actually wasn't that you know i mean again it is very special and i'm sure it's got far more special in uh with um with quip but i mean in terms of the time we invested and like let's say the 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 kind of intellectual property put in it was you know 
definitely not near some of the early stuff we'd done when we'd really literally cracked up maths equations and started, you know, again, for fun, because we were engineering students and we had lots of time in our 20s to, to do that. But um, yeah, I think, you know, that's that those were the two things that really led us to believe that we we can't. So two things. One, it's you can't just build a product in a vacuum, build it to quote unquote perfection, which doesn't exist, and then expect it to sell. And two, more importantly, um, you can sell, and this might sound obvious to people, you can sell nothing, right? Because essentially, made after foundation, I mean, I'm not saying it's nothing, but essentially it was a story, right? And to an engineer, at that's nothing. Yeah, at, at the, the time, time. Yeah, there was yeah. no physical, exactly. there was nothing that existed in three dimensions to sell. Exactly. The next thing was the revelation that we gathered from working with Quip and Made Africa Foundation that all of these things, all of this happened, not based on necessarily engineering, of course, to some degree with Quip, but really it happened based on fantastic visual identity from the founders of Quip and really a fantastic story from the founders of Made in Africa Foundation. But this changed our thinking narratives and set us in a completely different direction. I find it really interesting that people in our region, I mean, you know, our African region, it typically, mm. I'd say in the mainstream commerce world, mm. there's a reluctance to embrace professional services in general and value them, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so I think if you get a lawyer, you always think they're going to rip you up. If you're trying to get it in a car, you know what I mean? Like, you're just like, what are you mm -hmm. really doing anyway? So that's, I think, in general, amongst like a certain old school kind of commercial class, let alone when those professional services are deemed to be from like the creative sector, right? So so there's a there's a tendency to, to vastly dumb down what goes into creating a compelling story or narrative or visual identity around something it's basically just like my cousin can build a website and a logo mm. what's the big deal you know so <laughs> so so it's exactly. it, you know but clearly when you're operating i mean you it was one thing that was lucky because oswald is obviously at the top of global creative industries anyway right yeah uh, and he cares very deeply obviously about um you know creating a high spec high quality experience that he's going to be associated with and so i feel like you didn't have to then then go and convince him about why it was worth <sighs> investing in a narrative stuff but or, or or maybe i'm maybe i'm being presumptuous well no 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 yeah. actually the, see see the thing is i mean I, I wish at that point right i wish i could say we had got narratives and it was you know us going in and trying to say this is really important the honest truth is we learned about narratives, right? Or if I speak for myself, I learned about narratives, or should I say design first, then narratives from those two engagements, right? Because essentially Oswald and his team, um, they are very, very good at brand, very, very good at, at storytelling, right? And essentially what we were there to do is we were there to put some, some meat behind the story, right? What story can we, can we tell and what meat can we put behind, you know, g given the data, what story can be told to bring, you know, um, a lot of uh, uh, um, kind of US and UK based celebrities, fashion designers, um, journalists, etc, to Marrakesh, 
right or to morocco and and that was you know let's just be very clear that that was something right you know to bring people not to do a, an event in new york or to do an event in london to bring people to the continent right so so actually in our minds if it was left to us we would say well you can't at that point as engineers we would say you can't you you have to build something you have to do something you have to do something tangible at least right to do it but it's what can we sell what story can we tell to raise the cash to bring those people which which is what happened and then really try to you know help essentially excite people about AFDB so to be completely honest with you um it definitely wasn't us selling it to them it was actually we'd built a relationship with with the team and uh they thought that as again as very technical very engineering minded engineering focused kind of i want to touch it guys can you add your 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 predilection for 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 something tangible to to our disposition for something intangible uh, and and create something powerful if that makes sense and and in the end you had you had a lot of high flyers from the states um like the great and the good from sort of um music fashion yeah. design you had a lot of high profile high profile bankers and, um, and, and that's through. what showed Most, us the, the John Legend was came would John Legend come Akon? John Legend Mostef so yes Most Day, I think was involved Akon um what's it used to endure yeah. um Isaiah Washington was around the greatest anatomy guy um there was oh, yeah quite a few people you know wow. names I'll say names I wouldn't say and then you, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and then you had this big gala in um in, in Marrakesh and a, a whole program around um, drawing attention to and and getting support behind this soon to be billion dollar infra infrastructure mm. fund, uh, as well yeah. as the, the the Made in Africa NGO programs and and mission, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know that's the thing that made us say, "Wow!" Like essentially, we were, we, we, you know. I remember myself, I was standing in the middle there and, and okay, look, I, I'm not someone to get starstruck because I, and I wasn't, what I was struck by was the fact that all of, all of this could happen based on a, on a story, right? And yes, it's a st exactly on a narrative, on a story that, yeah, we feel passionate about, but actually that all of this can happen around that. And, and that, and that was pretty powerful. That, that, that was a, that was a mind shifting thing for me. Um, yeah. What is let's delve into what is what is a what is a narrative? What is a story as it pertains to products and business on mm -hmm. in the region? What is that? Is it just because that in 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 some at a superficial level it sounds pretty basic, right? Like okay, so just yeah. come up with a good story and then push it out there, and then people will either connect to it or not. Yeah. Yeah, what is I mean, what is I'm, the take us a little let's go deeper into that what is it what is a narrative <laughs> i mean it's, it's, you know you know it's quite funny because I, i've been i've been asking that question for at least for six years because we're in 2020 now right mm. um and look at the heart of it a narrative is a narrative is a story right mm. it is a story um but where i go and how i you know speak about it now is a narrative is essentially um, and this, again, this is just synonym, a longer cinema story. It is just a collection of events, right? Collection of events, experiences, happenstances from the past that push through to the future. Now, now, 
when you talk about a narrative for a company, the issue is this, right? Um, a narrative. So there was a time when the company did exist. Of course, there was a time when human beings didn't exist as well. But how can you manufacture history, right? So a weight of history, right? How can you how can you almost fast forward a company to the age of like thirty something or forty, right? How can you manufacture a history um, for a company and make it seem genuine, right? And normally, you I mean you can't. The only way because you know if you just found if you were just founded yesterday, you're not Coca Cola. You don't have you know a hundred and whatever forty or something years history. So. The way you do it and the way we've found that we do it is actually a narrative has to be really is, is inextricably linked to the founder of the company, to the founders of the company. And it's by the the founder of the company gives the narrative of the company its history, because essentially there was a time that the founder has gone through certain experiences and those certain experiences have led the founder to think um to 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 see issues and things around him or an environment that he wants to shape and that led the founder to found a company and essentially we have pre-company which is that founder's journey we have the instantiation of the company and then afterwards it's 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 the company going forward but you know the thing around narratives is normally people found a company everyone's got their story and sometimes the story is is quite bland I saw a market opportunity. I found a way to make money, and then I started a company. Um, a lot of the times on the continent, it's 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 really not very bland at all. Um, it's it's, it's quite rich. It's quite rich, and and so the so the real thing about narratives is that so a narrative is simply a story. But then the question is, how can you? It's about how do you tell that story? How do you tell it consistently? And how do you um, tell it to the right people? in the right way to get them to resonate with it and then pretty much do what you, you know, call them to action basically. Yeah. So, cause you're right. Cause uh, you know, people might get the idea that, okay, so basically all I need is a good story, whether it's true or not. Right. But <laughs> unfortunately the, well, fortunately or unfortunately, I think that the public is now inured to bullshit basically. Like the, I think people know, um, People can tell if you're not if you if you're not if you if something's in or is 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 not genuine, right? Yeah. Uh, usually, um, and so yeah. then this question is not it, it is manufacturing an historical weight, but it's not creating that out of something that didn't exist. It's then saying, but there is a history here, even if you're not aware of it as a founder. There is a history and there's a context yeah. that brought you to that point. Also, you have a history as a founder, but then yeah, you know. So yeah, you're right. Because starting a I don't know. It, it's, starting, it's starting. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Starting, I was gonna say, starting it, it, some business in starting your business today, mm. um, 7th of July, 2020, for example, starting a business today, no matter what that business is, it, mm. the business can have no history as a company, but it has a history in terms of whatever sector you've got, especially if you're in our region, right? If yeah. you're starting a, a um, I don't know, a Ghanaian med tech company, mm. that, Medtech company in Ghana might not have any history of its own, but there's a massive history to Ghana that there's a massive history to Ghanaian entrepreneurialism. There's a massive mm. history to Ghanaian healthcare. There's a massive, massive history to, um, you know, technology in Ghana. And whether you like it or not, or are aware of it or not, you're a part of that history. 
And mm. you're now part of a future. Maybe you're an insignificant part of it. Maybe you're a significant part of it, but you're part of it. And so is creating a narrative, knowing, knowing the context, understanding how to draw out the most rich and interesting and I hate to use this word because it's so cliche now, authentic um, aspects of the context you're in and then relating it to the founder and the team and their vision and then um, creating, doing that in a way that's also like artful and compelling, right? That And, and then like you said, consistent um yeah and and yeah. um and yeah that's that's how yeah that that's how you're you're the narrative ex- expert i'm just uh trying I, to bring the poor uh, poor late late i'm putting i'm you're narrative you're the narrative specialist <laughs> i'm trying to bring i'm trying to bring the the you know i'm trying to bring it i'm trying to explore it from different angles to see yeah to to ha- to to have it resonate with a different crowd you know what i mean because we almost yeah, yeah. we use it as shorthand for so much stuff that we very rarely actually sit down amongst ourselves and say what do we how would we describe this to somebody who's outside of it you know mm. it's quite hard sometimes another and probably one of the biggest insights we have still to this day something that drives us is that african founders have a narrative advantage you know founding anything is hard but there's an extra challenge caused by the underdeveloped infrastructure capital and consumer environment in africa so at the heart of it we came to believe and still do believe that the greater the difficulty the greater the story this is our conversation around that the more detail you put into your story, um, the more engaging it's going to be, because everyone's got an engaging story, right? If it's genuine, right? If you're if you're being quite flippant and you go, yeah, you know, I went to the shops and no, no. If you're being genuine, everyone's got like everyone could have a movie about their life, however significant or insignificant, because actually we all live for something. We all have a purpose. We all we all you know have a reason why we get out of bed, right? And the key thing is you find that if you were to ask somebody on the spot, why do you get out of bed, right? It's not everyone on the street that can tell you why. But normally if you ask a founder, especially an Africa-focused founder, right? Like you, you know, oh, yeah, you're in London, you're in California, you're in New York, you're whatever. Why don't you just start a company there? Why are you starting a company like that is has a, have an Af- that has an Africa focus, right? Why don't you just join, you know, the 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 the, the millions of guys who literally graduate each year? They open up, uh, 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 you know, a MacBook or something, and they start coding something, and then they go to a VC. Probably even before they start coding something, they go to a VC and they say, "Hey, I just left X Y Z. Can I have some money?" And you know, n- now's the time for that, right? What? Why are you not doing that? And you're going down, you're actually purposefully going down the, the harder route, the less tried and tested route, the far less finance route, et cetera. There is a story there. And that's why I say it's, it's one of our kind of untapped assets, right? Because there's a reason, whether you're on the continent or off the continent, why you choose to go you know, to, 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 to make an Africa-focused company at the moment, right? So I, I think we're all, you know, what, what we try to do is we're not trying to, if you're speaking to a founder, speak to a client or whatever, you're not trying to tell them this is what your story should be. 
all your like what you're actually trying to do is you're trying to find what their story is which is the thing they can't articulate and you know you've got it when it resonates both with them and also with the target audience right because if not you've either if it doesn't resonate with them then that's not their story if it doesn't resonate with the, with the target audience then you've got the wrong target audience there's always somebody it's going to resonate with another key tenet of what we do summed up by the saying a brand is more powerful than the product the lack of a compelling narrative and brand makes you interchangeable function alone is not good enough here's us speaking about that how we stumbled and came to narratives is you know it's part of a holistic vision and the holistic vision is we are trying to obviously build these brands build these companies that can change perceptions of the continent and we it's not brands alone that are going to do that um i'm still an engineer at heart we still need to build products but the thing is i've come to the realization that actually there are there are two sides to to that coin or should i say there's there's at least three main assets to a company it's you know the first and the biggest asset is the human um asset so the the team obviously without that it's it's just a corpse the company's a corpse um then after you've got the product and the brand and i guess if you asked me 10 years ago i would have said the product is far more important than the brand um so i would have said team product and then the brand is somewhere i don't know in the in the in the cesspool you know on the bottom floor now i would probably say it's it's the team and i would say the brand just ahead of the product because we all know you know if you've got a really good brand but no products people will be interested and they'll probably kind of buy your products in advance on crowd on you know kickstarter and wait for it to come out but if you have a product and a poor brand and you're not explaining it very well you're not going to get anyone really yeah i think it's and i think sometimes we underestimate the power of a good of a power the power of a compelling narrative right and a and a compelling because mm. narrative narrative is a shorthand again for things like like what what's the, what's the what's the story that people is in people's minds about this particular thing right mm. like what mm. what so before you're in like if you're not even in the room what mm. do people say about this brand and what do they think and what do they tell themselves and what's to, what do they tell others in and around this right if i go back to what you're talking about you know the, the the issues on on the continent right it is that we do find people who look this is this is my take on one of the issues around this around narratives on the continent right and some people are going to go well but i've said this to several, several people the issue around the continent is making money is is too easy in my opinion right relative to relative to um western markets okay now that's like whoa whoa qualify go right on. qualify <laughs> qualify go on. no here's here's the qualification right I I um I met in uh, I can't remember it was this event at one point I met this um this young lady who said hey look I've got lots I will um no I helped notes one of our advisors was speaking but but I kind of went up and spoke to him and he said hey you should speak to this young lady spoke to her and she said look I've got this um you know she she was from Nigeria I've got this 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 app you know or she had this app um and it was about showing fashion designers or different fashions and different things that you can kind of purchase different people seamstresses and all their stuff and whether seamstresses and designers all together you can purchase these dresses 
um, you know, if you're for parties and otherwise, or you can get, if you like to see a particular designer on there, you can get them to become your designer, your, your seamstress and, and sew you stuff, right? The app was stock Android, right? Mm. So literally their material design, no, no change, no adaptation to it, stock Android. And um, the user experience was, I think the, 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 you know, the, the polite way of describing it is cumbersome. Okay. Um, but that app will get followers. That app will get people on there. Why? Because still, it, you know, there are still far more opportunities on the continent than there are in the Western world, far more opportunities to make serious cash or even to start something. And again, in, you know, on the continent, many entrepreneurs, their issue is not, have I made revenue? Their issue is longevity and can I scale it, right? Whereas I would say in the Western market, you know, especially when we just, we just talk about all this freemium and premium stuff, freemium stuff, the issue was how, you know, okay, well, let's wait until we, you know, at least make some, sometimes make some revenue. Nowadays, sometimes make a profit, okay? So what I find in a I, lot of entrepreneurs I, is, just finish what i find a lot of entrepreneurs is is the the main consideration is digital marketing right we have a we have a product and we need to you know we you know we've got some traction we need to let more people know and i think that that thing thereof there you know because you've created something that that you know I guess hey, there wasn't a lot of competition around there, or, or or maybe it was, you know, relatively brand new. It's been taken somewhere over the West. Um, you are going to get people on the platform, but the question is, and this comes to a client of ours currently, um, you know, or a client of ours, you know, who 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 who's kind of from from a larger company, a larger kind of brand. The reason why this person spoke about, hey, I'd like to start building a brand, is why why because in his lifetime, he's seen many large companies in his part of the world just live and die, and he hadn't seen longevity. And in his opinion, he'd come to believe that the way to get longevity is by building a brand. And that's what you see with Red Bull and the best brands like Coca-Cola, et cetera. So, you know, obviously, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean it's literally easy to make money. You just walk out and then money comes in your pocket. But I think, you know, in the Western world, you, you can't afford not to make a brand. Whereas in many parts of Africa, you can afford to just start something and not make a brand, and you would still you would still make some money or money to some degree. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've I've been uh, part of a team launching a venture yeah. um, recently in in Southern Africa, um, where we deliberately didn't put any brand around it. Yeah, because we weren't sure yet. We wanted to. Um, you know, we, we just wanted to test. It was very, very much basically a test, basically. It was like A-B yeah. testing effectively. Yeah. Um, and we got it. it the A-B testing turned into, oh, wow, we've actually got more customers than we thought we would. Yeah. And then the question <laughs> exactly. came up. And then you and I had a discussion. And it was like, well, what do we do about the branding? And is it time now to put the, detail, the, the Charles treatment on it? Or is it not yet that time? And I think I was like, well, let's give it a little bit of time because we were trying to do A-B testing first. And um you know so we're not going to go too long without until we create it but the point is, this underscores your point which is yeah at some point people were just like they were just ordering this this product off of us without yeah. bothering to question wait what is the brand what's the logo where's your you know what i mean like where, where's your website yeah. whatever they're just like this sounds great let's do it 
Um, yeah. Now, to be fair, that was a very functional product. Um, but still, it, well, like and, you said, and, I don't and, think you get away with that here. I think you'd struggle to get away with it here in, in London and, or in the West, whereas we got exactly. away with it. And, and you're right. It was a very functional product. But the thing is, um, there are still many functional product opportunities on the continent. Right. So, so the thing is, let, no, let, let's let's be honest and let's call it a spade a spade. Right. The first thing you do, okay, if you have if you have like, um, uh, 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 you know, low down the value chain assets, you have a field full of you know that is there for agriculture, or you have commodities, or you have you know a large amount of people who you know maybe you need to bring in rice export thing. I mean, import export is a huge business generally around the continent, right? And then afterwards. What do you do after you you bring the thing in? Then the other huge issue would probably be delivery and last mile. Okay, now if those things don't exist and you create them, then you will you will get customers because there is a legitimate need and want. Okay, now the issue is, and you know, going to speaking to speaking about your company, which we've spoken about several times at the startup we're doing is is if you don't put any livery or brand or narrative or or, or, or or some kind of consistent thing around it. The question is, how long will it exist, right? Because at some point, somebody else will come into the market, you're thinking, and that's the issue that that particular client had seen. And he said he's seen some of the largest companies in the world. They were functional. They had really great teams. But the thing is, when you don't have a brand, you are interchangeable and you're only as good as your last deal. Basically, when you have a brand, there's some loyalty. It's like knowing, you know, the the oh oh my barber, right, is Andrew Sakandi versus I just need a barber, right? If I build a relationship with you, then I go to the barber shop and I say, Oh, where's Andrew? Oh, he's not in today. Ah, oh, Andrew, okay, let me let me pick up his phone. Andrew, where are you at? Oh yeah, I'm on holiday. Sorry, can you wait a week or maybe just use this guy this week and I'll be there next week. If I don't have a relationship with you, I go to the barber shop and I look for the next barber. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes complete sense, and and um, we're looking to take advantage of that in that business specifically, <laughs> because <laughs> because the incumbents in the market haven't bothered, um, and so you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah. I like what you said though. I think you said the lack of a compelling narrative and brand makes you interchangeable. Yeah. Tweet that anywhere. Oh, any somebody, somebody tweet that. Lastly, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. But we add on and build a narrative. But overall, if you want people to work for money, just pay them the right salary. But if you want people to do something more than that, there has to be a reason and a purpose that they buy into. You must connect them with something more. You need a narrative, brand values, and a mission to do this. And this is us speaking about that. Every, in my opinion, every entrepreneur, Africa-focused entrepreneur, every entrepreneur in general should ask themselves, right? It's it's how ambitious are you and what's your scope, right? If if in essence you want to be, you know, let's say uh, you know, in the in in London, a local mechanic in not even London, just just a part of London, right? Do you need to work on your brand? Not necessarily. You're going to know all your customers. They're going to be local guys. You, you know, you really need to be do one-to-one conversations. How are you doing? Oh, you know what? Don't worry today. Why don't you pay me tomorrow, etc. Right? Um, if you want to be global, you have to compete globally, right? Um, and you have to start as you wish to go on. Now, the 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 question 
for the African focus entrepreneur is how big do you want to be? Do you do you think? Well, you know, if I'm just in uh, if I'm just in in, in Lecky, which in itself is reasonably competitive, I'm, but if I'm just in PH, if I'm just in GR and PH, and after that's fine, I'm, I'm I'm I'll be I'll be content. Now, if that is true, obviously, please don't go and raise any money from VCs because these VCs want their money back and they want it back in multiples. But if you do have any ambitions of being big, at some point, right, you are going to have to do a drastic change, a change not just in your visual identity and your narrative, which is hard enough, right? Well, excuse me, your visual identity and your and and which is hard enough. You're gonna have to change your narrative, change your culture, because you would have already hired people and people would know that what's it all about. Well, here it's about getting the deals done. And it's super hard to change that sh- to turn that ship when it's a, a hundred man, two hundred man, than actually when it's a small little nifty, you know, small circle turning speedboat. Um, you know, uh, um, at the outset. So, you know, that's, if that's you want to be global, a, you have to think global. That's a really interesting point, which I don't think I've considered, is the impact of narrative and attracting early stuff, which will become the DNA of the company. Yeah. Very good point. I have nothing to add to that. I just think it's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, no, because in essence, in essence, right, in essence, right, you as a founder, like... The question is this, right? If you want if you want people to work for money, they'll work for money. Just pay the right salary, pay it large enough, etc. But the, the the issue comes when you want them to do something more than that. And if you want them to do something more than that, there has to be a reason to do something more than that. And to, and the reason has to be something that is that connects with them or otherwise. So if with when you set your narrative, you will and you and you have your values and otherwise and you stick to it you will attract accidentally you will attract people and you know this obviously mustard we we attract passionate people we attract people who who care about our narrative why because we have a narrative